Welcome to The Observer Effect, a podcast of travel stories. Each week we hope to bring you a conversation with someone we meet overseas, and at least one good story. Gabriel Garcia Marquez said, Viajar es intentar cambiar. We met with Freya in a plaza in sunny Spain, so you'll hear some noise in the background, but that doesn't detract at all from her story. Crack my neck. Okay, you can kick off one hour. So, Freya. Hello. <laughs> I know we like talk all day now. It's hola. like hola, aloha, ohala. So, first question I'd like okay. to ask uh, is, I guess, a task. Mm-hmm. Describe yourself for the listeners. Describe okay. your appearance. Oh, how I physically look. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm petite, dark blonde hair, blue eyes, fair skin. Uh, I have a tendency to turn pink, which is uh, to the amusement of like everyone in my life. Is this um, pink right now? I can't pro- I probably, I'm probably sunburnt right now. Um, yeah, I, I think that kind of sums it up. I'm, I'm fairly short in stature. Okay. Yeah. And does that match any inner qualities? Um, no. I, I do know a lot of talkative sh- short people. Um, I once had a teacher in high school who said short people had nothing to live for. The whole <laughs> class was full of short female teenagers. Oh um, yeah, he was tall though. He was like six foot something, something. Crushing. Crushing. He was at the ceiling fan in my my school. He had to kind of like back under. So yeah, I don't know. I think short people tend to probably have to make themselves be heard. So maybe that's something. Interesting. I would probably say I have. Sure. And uh, where are we now? I'm wearing a plaza. I don't, I don't know what the plaza's called. It's near uh, the Alcazar in Carmona, which is a lovely little town, white Pueblo town near Sevilla. Um, you know, come here on our little day trip. Well, half day trip has turned into a day trip. It's a, long, it's a longer day. Though, yeah. That's a long story. <laughs> we don't want to tell here. <laughs> How we finally got here. How <laughs> good the story? Yeah, but it won't be. Okay. Uh, well, before we get to the story, the right. good travel story, let's talk about your circumstances. Okay. So, where are you and where are you going and why? Yeah, good question. Um, and briefly. Okay, so... <laughs> we talked about it all day. <laughs> um, so, I'm, I'm currently living in London. Uh, as my nominal base. But that's um, not where you're from, right? No, I'm from Australia. I moved to London about eight and a half months ago um, just to work and have an, a new adventure. Uh, and I took up Spanish when I got to London. Um, I didn't realize that. Yeah, so I started taking lessons at the London Cervantes Institute. And I did two courses, which was basically an interesting basically cover the first kind of level of Spanish, which is your basic greetings and uh, 
present tense, uh, <laughs> stuff like that. So yeah, I got really interested in Spanish um, from from that initial um, one once a week courses. I met a lot of people in my course. When I say a lot, I mean like five who strongly encouraged me given my position of relative freedom compared to everyone else in the class to go and study intensively. Um, that kind of encouraged me to go. Uh, so yeah, I came to Spain about two and a half, two months ago, just over two months ago. And you've been studying intensively? I've been studying intensively-ish. <laughs> um, yeah, two weeks, then a break of a week, then another three weeks, then a break of a week, and then another three weeks. So it's intensive, but it's it's not so intensive that I haven't had any breaks. Yeah. Yeah, and I have two days left. That's crazy. So, Glad yeah. we've caught you at yeah. this moment. Now, I don't know if we can recapture this part of the conversation that we had before, right. but you're not only escaping London to some extent, right? But no. also in some ways escaping Australia. Yeah, I think a broader narrative would be that I'm escaping Australia at this moment. Um, I've come to the point, I suppose, I'm, go I'm going to turn 27 and a lot of my peers are settling. I have a lot of um, friends who have just started getting married and buying houses and really pushing their career track like foot on the pedal right now um, because they've got you know professional jobs like lawyers and doctors and you know, investment bankers things like that where you really have to I suppose put put the foot on the pedal in your late 20s to get where you want to go in terms of that and that's not really where I'm at that's not the career path I've chosen for myself um, and so I have the freedom to do something else and being single and having a supportive family and having quite a lot of savings, I just decided to take the, the leap and move overseas. Yeah. It seemed like a good time to do it. And there was a concrete detail that you had. Oh, I don't know yes. if you want to talk about yeah, that on the, the record. Yeah, the two ovens. But the two ovens. Okay, so <laughs> recently one of my really good friends in Australia has started uh, sending me pictures of her renovation of her tiny one-bedroom apartment with her husband of one year. And in addition to painting an apartment that didn't need painting, they decided to undertake the summer project of two months of renovating their kitchen. Uh, the kitchen was perfectly functional before, but they decided they needed to upgrade it, which has involved not only uh, my friend's husband putting in a, an additional part of the wall, He's decided to build some sort of wall construction to extend the kitchen wall out. And these he, are big cooks, right? No, these are not big cooks. These are like he would cook a piece of meat on a barbecue, probably fairly regularly. They have the barbecue though already, and she likes to cook cakes now and then. These they they they're not big cooks. Um, they have a kitchen aid. This is another funny part of the story. They have a kitchen aid mixer. I don't know how, but these Those are, are like $300. Oh no. In Australia, they're $600. <laughs> and it's sort of the item you get people either for their engagement yeah. or their wedding. 
some nice pastel color. Yes. Hers is actually red though, so it's quite kind of like a sexy little item. Um, and and so they've got these two ovens situation, which one of my friends thinks they were upsold by a salesman into buying the two ovens. And the rest of us just think that they did actually think it was like something that they genuinely needed in life in case they had a lot of people over in their small one-bedroom apartment. So yeah, so for me the two ovens have become a symbol of, of where I don't want to be at and what I don't really want right now. They hear this They know how I feel about the two ovens. Oh, good, good. Apparently it's a source of like strong discussions at dinner parties. How how do they feel about you being in Spain? Oh, good is question. Is that a two ovens thing for them? Um, no. When I told my friends I was going to the UK, their first reaction was, what, the UK? That's so boring. <laughs> and I said, what do you mean everyone goes to the UK? And they said, yeah, but you, shouldn't, you wouldn't go to the UK. And that was kind of pause for thought. Because I had considered going to other places, doing like a year of volunteering on like a government program or something, but um, I had come to the conclusion that the, the thing that would give me the most freedom would be to come to the UK. Um, I just have to add to the physical description that you're gesturing I, yeah, loudly. I, yeah, you, you I use my hands a picture a lot. of a tree in the air just now <laughs> with lots of branches yeah. very effectively. Yeah. So. <laughs> yes. Um, Anyway, so they, they thought it was too boring for me. So I think when I moved to Spain, it wasn't exactly come as a surprise that I had decided that I needed something yeah, more, yeah. slightly more interesting, I suppose. Yeah. They weren't shocked. So you've traveled a lot. Yes. What role would you say travel has played in your life? I think travel is a bit hedonistic for me. It's like the pursuit of pleasure it's 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 exciting and it's to me it's kind of like when travel is at its best and you're discovering new things you're like highly kind of it's like there's new new things all the time and it's very stimulating intellectually emotionally all, all of it it's that's kind of how I see it so as you think back over all your travel you have a good story <laughs> Should I tell you my typhoid story? Sure. Absolutely. It's not, I don't think it's necessarily a best. I think it was a moment where travel, um, where I learned the risks of traveling, I guess. Um, um, so I was in Indonesia and I, the, I had basically, I was doing a trip that was Malaysia, Malaysia, Borneo. Um, but the southern part, because I had done the northern part, which is Sabah, and I was doing Sarawak. So Malaysian Borneo is the island, and then there's Peninsula Malaysia as well. So I had gone to, to uh, Sarawak, and I had done 10 days. It was amazing. Orangutans in the wild, that kind of thing. Walks in the rainforest. And then I had come to Indonesia, and the reason I wanted to go to Indonesia was to see uh, temples um, near Jogjakarta. So... I went to Borobudur, which had been like another place that was on my list. Um, I'd seen photos of it and just kind of seemed, yeah, otherworldly. And it's 
it's it's in essence one big temple. Um, so I went on a day, an overnight from Jogjakarta. I went to Borobudur. Um, I remember not feeling that good that night, but waking up at 5 a.m. 4 a.m. I think it was for the 5 a.m. sunrise. So you know you're walking out in the dark up to this temple, and everyone's there, and you know everyone's trying to go up with torches, and it was dark and everything. And that sense of like, wow, I'm here. I've made this place that I've always wanted to be, and it's just spectacular. It's mind blowing, and one of those things, days you take like that, like hundreds and hundreds of photos. Some of them not very good because it's like dark, but you know it's a wonderment element. And I remember getting getting back to my hotel, getting on, getting a local bus back to Jogjakarta and deciding to check into a hotel because it wasn't feeling good. But I thought I was tired. So I checked into this hotel and I had this lunch which was like a local dish which was something wrapped in kind of um, rice, wrapped in um, banana leaves. Do you get typhoid from food? Yes. Come to this. So, so I got to this hotel, I had this, this local dish I went up to my room, I started feeling unwell, so I decided to go out to a local shopping mall and I, I just remember feeling hot and overwhelmed in this shopping mall, which is not something I would usually feel, I don't really, like it was weeks into my holiday, I wasn't culture shop or anything. And I went home and I had some bread, that's what I had bought, I bought dry white bread, because so I wasn't feeling well, that's kind of like a go-to. Um, and over the next series of, I guess, five hours, I had like, I threw up and I had the runs and for like out for like five hours. Um, and there was there was this point where I re remember coming in and out, in and out of kind of like just feeling like I was coming in and out of my kind of mental confusion. And instead of Instead of picking up the phone and calling reception, being like, I need help, I decided to go out of my room, go into the lift, proceed to vomit in the lift, go down on the, go down to this like nice, you know where it was? It was an Ibis hotel, so it was kind of nice. A nice, clean, white floor, no one around, 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> Sit down on this couch to try and like get my shit together. And then I proceed to vomit on the floor again. Yeah, in the lobby. Um, and the, the two staff on shift rush up to me and are sort of like, is everything okay? And I'm like, no, I need a doctor. Like, I'm not in a good place. I need a doctor. I think I've got food poisoning. And so we went. And we arrived at this local hospital. And, and all, all I could think as we arrived here was like, well, I'm not staying here. <laughs> she took us down, she took me, she recognised me and took me into this sort of ward. And there was no one really around. And it was like a developing country hospital. And she said, you're going to need to stay overnight. I need to monitor you. You need to put a drip in. Because I was dehydrated by this stage. And I was like, I'm not staying here. And it was so... Was there, like garbage on the floor? Or what was that it was just primitive. Like the, the beds were kind of thin mattresses, maybe two centimeters thick, and all this kind of stuff. And I remember just thinking, I've got to get out of here. 
I can't stay here. This could this place could make me even more unwell. Um, so I so I like blurted this out, which is like the rudest thing you could do. But obviously I wasn't really in my like normal state of traveler politeness. I said you have to get me out of here. We need to go to a private hospital. Do we have any private hospitals? And they're like, oh yeah, there's a private hospital. And so we're in this car. And these are the, still the guy from the hotel that's helping me out and driving me. But we go into the hospital and it's like an, it's, I just remember the, the gates opening, like the boot gates of this really big, like, new building complex and just being like, well, at least I'm where, uh, in the best, like, it was a relief. It was a relief that, like, I was very unwell and there was, like, something that looked somewhat like a Western hospital. Um, and so I went in and, you know, very quickly, the young woman doctor treating me in, um, you know, Indonesia, she's got the headscarf and everything, she's feeling my stomach and she's like, yeah, um, I think we need to test you for typhoid. And I was like, typhoid, please. I had my injection. I, oh, you I had my vaccinations. Oh, how long? Well, that was the problem. Uh, I had my vaccinations and what I had was the live pills. So you have, I think, three over three days or something. And I had had them uh, two weeks before I left. Now, the person at the travel health clinic had been like, two to three weeks is usually normal, it's fine, it builds up within the system. So to this day, I don't know if it was that those pills didn't take effect or that there is the fact that those pills for typhoid don't cover all strands of typhoid. And then at some point, it dawns on me that I better call my like parents. So I wait around. I think it was three hours time difference. So it's probably 3 a.m. And remember I had been up at 5 a.m. at Borobudur. 4 a.m. for a 5 a.m. sunrise at Borobudur. So it was a long day. And I just remember being like, this is the weirdest day of travel I'm ever going to have in my life. One morning, I started the morning at this like fantastic site that has been like on my to-do list. And I'm ending at somewhere you would never want to be, which is like in a hospital. Someone's told you you might have typhoid. Anyway, they get the test results back. I've got four strains of typhoid bacteria in my system. And they just started pumping me through full of like all the types of drugs, the like anti-inflammatories, the, the ones to stabilize your mind because you can get infected in your menin meningitis. Um, you can get all sorts of complications. So as it turns out, I had probably had typhoid for a week, maybe eight days, nine days. And the rash which I had had on my body, which I had thought was... Uh, tropical heat rash was in fact part of like typhoid some sort of telltale sign um, but I hadn't felt bad and the thing is, is it doesn't really affect you until the second week normally so there is an issue with kind of diagnosis sometimes until the third week and third week is like you can really go into some sort of organ failure anyway so I so I call my dad at 6am, we call the parents, don't worry, so I'm like, so I'm in hospital in Indonesia, 
Yeah, I think Georgia Khan International or something like that. Yeah, and I think I might have typhoid. And there's this like this like groggy voice being like, what? What are you talking about? And yeah, it was just this so this this kind of surreal day. But I I think of it as a very powerful experience because it was very humbling for me to have to put my trust in so many other people. Um, that the person, the guy at the hotel, he stayed with me for four hours. You know, past his shift because he was like this young single woman. You know, he was a young guy and he was just really looking out for my interests and. The hotel ended up bringing my bags and threw up all over their couch. They were really good about it, and I thought sometimes it's the luck of being in the right place at the right time. And me checking myself into that hotel was probably a really good thing in terms of me getting the help uh, was going to need. Um, but also just the trust—you have to trust that people are going to look after you, that people have. The, the um, experience and, and sometimes there's nothing you can do but hope and just like wait to get better and I don't think you expect that in like when you travel you don't expect to get sick you don't expect to wind up in hospital but when you do it's very humbling on like a new level of um, of experience and it in a way much more powerful than it like if I was to go to hospital in Australia because this is a foreign system, no one is speaking English around me. I'm trying to like, ask them questions, I'm getting like nothing in response. You know, you're in hospital, they're speaking a different language and you're Googling high point fever. <laughs> and I think I learned, yeah, that you can, you can expect a trip to be something and it can turn out to be something completely different, but I don't, people are like, oh, it's the, oh, that's a terrible thing, it's the worst thing to happen. I think it's not the worst thing that could happen. In fact, it was an extremely powerful experience because it was so unexpected for me. It was so different to anything that I had ever thought would happen. It was a reality check. It was like, what, you know, that was it. Like, you don't expect to do that and it happened. Yeah. That was my bad good travel story I don't know That's it had perfect. a good, a good experience yeah. to me yeah which sounds crazy it does but you were alone and you found but I was alone but I, it, like. I I toughed it out well thank you for sharing That's your story okay. and uh, your circumstances this is great yeah I don't know if it's going to make the edit <laughs> you'll have to edit that story Thank you again so much to Freya for sharing a delightful story, spending time with us uh, along her way. Please remember to look at Kiva, find someone that you can make a loan to. I think it really does make a difference. That's kiva.org. Thank you to Dana Boulay for providing this music. And thank you for listening.